0: Welcome to episode 12 of the Night Gallery podcast. My name is Chris Brown. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the second story from the fourth episode of season one. It's called Clean Kills and Other Trophies. Um, it's a good little story. Um, we'll get into that in a second. But let me just get through the plot uh, first off. As always, this is a bit uh, spoiler heavy. I'm mean, going to discuss the entire story right up to the end. Um, the story is a guy, a guy called uh, Colonel Dittman, Archie Dittman, who is um, has a son called Archie also, Archie Junior, and he has a guest in the house, a guy called Pierce, called Tom Troop. Um, anyway, basically, the um, the story goes that he's showing them around his home. His son, well, the son's seen the house, but the son's with him, and he's showing uh, Pierce this attorney around the home. And he decides to, um, well, he shows the, the trophy room because he's a keen hunter. And the conversation becomes quite heated between the colonel and Archie Jr. And the reason for that is that um, the colonel hates the fact that his son is such a pacifist. And, uh, you know, and obviously he's a keen hunter. He has very strong beliefs about survival of the fittest and that kind of thing. Um, he's quite boorish in truth, the colonel. Anyway, the colonel gets uh, gets into a, a row with his son, and he basically says that I will squander your entire trust fund uh, which is worth a couple of million dollars unless you uh, commit, commit a kill, a hunting kill for me, if you kill a deer, and you have to do it in the next 24 hours. Um, this becomes incredibly heated, Pierce becomes quite worried about what's happening. Uh, and then Archie, riled up to a ridiculous degree, uh, pulls out a gun, pulls out the gun, the, the hunting gun, the rifle that he's carrying, and points it at his uh, dad. He gets stopped by, um, by a guy called Tom. And Tom is like, um, he's a bit of a cliched faithful, uh, he's like a... meant to be an african prince who is oxford educated and basically is stuck by the family stays in the home because of it feels a duty to archie um but tom literally the last minute before he's gonna uh, before archie jr i'm gonna just call him archie as long as uh, for archie kills the colonel he gets pushed out the way Q more Angry, kind of, bro- you know, um, shouting from uh, the father um, about how weak he is and that kind of thing. Um, and what we discover is that Tom. Well, there's after after that, and everyone goes to bed. Uh, Tom is upset, uh, so upset in fact that he prays in a ritual, a pagan ritual. Anyway, the next day comes junior manages to kill a deer but it's not a clean kill uh, he shoots him in the lung uh, so the colonel's still not happy um, there's, there's, there's quite a you know you, you, if you, if you're gonna kill an animal you've got to do it right in the colonel's book and um, he's disappointed by what had happened I think that's probably fair to say he stomps off um, into the into his study and um that's kind of it really i mean um <clears throat> he says he he complains to tom that he feels unwell anyway tom leaves the study and uh, explains to pierce that uh what he'd done <clears throat> is um pray to uh, a god ven um, well to god's his um i mean the, uh, the quote is that um gods of bush, gods of the Congo of the rainforests um, basically gods of vengeance and um, pray to them that um, he would get a just um, comeuppance um, the colonel get a just comeuppance uh, Pierce burst into the study and, uh, and you see him like a, a, a zoom shot into his face and he's aghast at what's happened and uh, and we soon see why. As basically, what happens then is Pierce ushers Archie Jr. away uh, and says he'll, he'll look after him effectively. Um, but we soon see what's actually, ha- what actually happened when uh, Tom returns into the study, pours himself a drink from the bar, and um, toasts what the, the gods of vengeance had done, which is um, taking um, the colonel's head and put it on a, the wall as a trophy. Um, you, know, you know, an apt punishment for a boorish man. What I'd say is I really like this episode. Um, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. I really like this episode. Um, it is is—it's um, very single-minded in what it wants to try and do. It also says quite a lot about Sterling himself. Um, it's obvious that, I mean, he said in the past that uh, clean kills is something that um, represents an area that he he you know he has not an interest in uh, in upsets and he, I mean he's you know he, he was the kind of man who didn't like boorish behavior anyway but this notion of um, you know the noble huntsman killing animals for sport he just he can't get with that at all um, it's uh, you know it's a hatred of bullying of uh, anger of a very particular kind of man. I think that's probably fair to say. Um, our colonel is a, a bit of a, a cliched monster, really. In truth, um, the what I'd also say is that, um, basically, again, I mean, we were talking last week about, um, oh, what episode was it last week? Oh, um, making me laugh. And I quoted um I quoted and saying how unhappy he was with the uh, with the way it turned out. And he says similar kind of things this time around with Clean Kills. And I think but I think he says it for different reasons this this way. Um, a lot of that comes down again to the casting. Um, <clears throat> I disagree with a lot of what this this argument is, although a lot of people have it. Um, Raymond Massey is too frail and unwell for this role. Uh, The idea of the colonel is he's meant to be incredibly overpowering but gives um, but instead um, Massey's portrayal is more of a man who is waspish, irritable and he doesn't you know, he's not over overbearing on... You wonder why Archie has got to the point where he could raise a gun. Um, you know, I mean, Serling was disappointed because the portrayal wasn't of an incredible walking monster. In my point of view, I think it works well because obviously Massey plays him as a man who's coming... He's a little bit later on in life, who, who was obviously dominating and overbearing, but as he's got older, has um, lost a lot of that... Um, obviously Archie will have had it when he was growing up and th- that kind of relationship remains while in reality, Massey, uh, Massey's Colonel Dittman is now a man who is weak and aggressive and raging against the world. And I think that works well for me. Um, you know, he's clinging on to his past and he's using this deer hunting as a, um, as a, as a way of still having power over his son. A power that, you know, should have been relinquished a long time ago, but like all bullies, he's found a weakness and exploits it. Um, Serling wrote <coughs> Archie Jr., the lad, like 21-year-old lad he meant to be, and is played by uh, Barry Brown. And he's meant to be uh, a... Uh, a ball, you know, explosive at any point, he's resentful he's angry, he could blow up at any moment, like the moment with the gun it isn't meant to be like a a weak-willed kind of F you, to his father it's meant to be, you know, like he could pull a gun at any point, on anybody, he's just so, he's been so emotionally damaged by the experience, he just appears to be trouble now and the reason for this, and this disappointment, this, this I think, and I think a lot of the reason why Serling was so disappointed with the way it turned out is that the first draft he put in was very different. There wasn't a need for Tom, for example. There wasn't a need for this kind of voodoo curse, which we'll talk about more in a bit anyway. What happened was um, the clean kill and the trophy was still his father's head on the wall, but Archie did it with an axe, basically, and just went to town on his dad after being wound up to a certain point sailing describes it as like a comedic kind of ending and um, i think he saw it far more as a power play between two characters a very very character heavy story um, which would have been really good the reality in the end for this was that um it wasn't really like that um the nbc saw the original draft and just shook their head and said, no, we're not having this. This is uh, too violence uh, for network television. Um, you need something different. Uh, Patricide is not on the cards on on our network at this time of day or night. Any time of day or night, really. Um, so, Salem went back and wrote in this kind of Congo curse. Um, so, the character, like, so I think he was disappointed that The characters he'd written weren't necessarily the characters he'd initially uh, wanted for this piece. Uh, And therefore, when it came down to the director, uh, where Walter Doniger taking it and and casting, and the casting of the characters and and the way those characters are played, there's less need for that kind of aggressive role between the two. There isn't a need to be quite so. fight well fighty effectively you know I mean he's not he obviously I mean Salem wanted the story to be a very different kind of story and, and I think his disappointment in it comes from the fact that it wasn't that story and the elements that were in it have needed to have been changed for different reasons um which is good I mean that's fine but um yeah I, I, I think the uh, the curse is a great way to do it. But I could understand his frustrations as a writer. Um, basically, it's um, it's a good for me for me personally. I think it's a good story. I think um, my problem I have problems with Tom as a character, like time and time again within Night Gallery. And I know a lot of this is because it's early seventies. There does tend to be people like that tom character who pray to uh, easily explainable MacGuffin kind of gods or you know voodoo curses or i mean we talk when a couple of weeks we're going to talk about the doll and uh that's uh that does the same thing although for different reasons um i think you've just got to accept it for what it is in terms of like you know the age of the plot of the of the show um I don't think a lot of it's done particularly in a nasty way at all, really. I just think that, you know, you have. To, it's not... It's just from a different time. And uh, I think Clean Kills is the first time in the series where you kind of, you know, you can get taken aback by how overt some of this stereotyping is. Um, but not as averse as it is in the Tolkien truth. But we'll get to that in a few weeks. Um, I think... The direction, I mean, it's it's a funny one. Again, if this had been a, a story about a son who chops off his father's head with an axe, I think it would have been not particularly well directed the way it had been done by Doniger because it is very elegant. It's a, it's a pretty-looking piece. The camera kind of swans around quite a lot. I mean, I'm comparing it to things like uh, The Dead Man uh, and The Cemetery. It's that kind of look and feel to it. Um, it's kind of that it's partly a lot of stories do kind of have that trademark to it in the end. Um, it is yeah I mean it's quite elegant in a way and it's a, it's very attractive and yeah I mean if it, if it had involved a story about a man of an accident that would have been a problem but instead obviously because it's it's all curses and, and supernatural. Uh, And it's explained away by prayers to pagan gods of the Congo. Jeez. Um, That you kind of, you know, you can kind of forgive it for that quite a bit, quite uh, quite easily. Um, I think it's an example of one of a, a Night Gallery episode that, I mean, a lot of the time Serling gets disappointed because it doesn't turn out how he expects um, I mean and this this entire episode this and making math must have just kind of really annoyed him in that kind of terms um I would say as well when it comes to that kind of stuff I think I mentioned it I've mentioned it before but uh, a lot of the quotes when he goes back about the is sh- the episodes are after it being cancelled um, and his experiences by that point have been completely changed um it's very he, he was very good at kind of saying i had this really good idea and it was ruined by committee uh and i did because i didn't have enough control uh and that could pop that kind of that kind of comment pops up a lot i would i would say that that might be true and it might not be true but um Sailing was very very uh upset by the way the show panned out in the end uh with season the way it kind of you know the aggression of season two and also you know what happened with season three but i mean that's we're a long way off from talking about that i'm just kind of warning you that when i mention a sailing quote it's very easy to forget that the likelihood is he was probably talking in a school setting in like 75 well in fact yeah i mean what i'm talking about here is i'm looking at my notes now and it's saying that um the comments are part of uh it was a screening of the episode in a dramatic writing class he taught in 1975 so he by that stage you know his his, his opinions had been damaged by his relationship with Lord and with the network i would say and this is a classic example of how yeah i mean my opinion he think in his mind it was it was ruined by the way it turned out in my mind it was an example of although it wasn't how he'd envisioned it and i'd love to see that that story as, as he had done because I think it would have been an unusual mix of quite brutal violence and also quite like you know, comedy quite, I think there's a kind of a, at its heart it's a black humour about a man putting his father's head on a wall as a trophy which is uh, a mixture of and I think a mixture of comedy and also horror and I think which was a very difficult mix to get right but also um, it does show that uh, you know that you can get, you know, although it's not exactly what he wanted, you can sometimes get away with that kind of decision made in the story, uh, and you can, you know, savor it, save a story, even though it has, you know, it has elements that have to be removed because of the census, effectively. Um. Okay. Well, that's that's clean kills. That's the end of episode four. Uh, next week. Well, it's it's not going to be next week. It's going to be, obviously, because I've missed a week out. So we're going to try and get this up in the next couple of days as well. Uh, Pamela's voice is um, liked and disliked, I would say. I like it. So you're going to get me kind of giving a bit of a mildly passionate defense of an episode that can get a bit of a kick in. It's, um there's some good stuff in the next episode as we're up, which is a free story episode. Uh I would say Pamela's voice isn't the best thing on that episode, but it is still quite good. Um anyone's anyway, got Tom Ast- John Aston in, so we'll, we'll talk about Greg, you know, the man who played Gomez Adams for a bit as well, which is always fun. Um as always, if you want to get a hold of me, uh easiest way to have a chat is on Twitter, um at orange underscore monkey. But uh as well there's uh some good comments coming up on the website as well uh, the twilight zone podcast.com um the comment section uh, last week um well it's going the more than last week now but last week there was a uh, my my opinions on make and laugh i think caused a couple of people to kind of go um why are you talking for about you know all fans like this and i think that's very true that i need to remind myself that i'm not necessarily my opinions or everybody's opinions um but uh, there was Luke from uh, from Bodica Films and Tom kind of saying, "Well, you know, their opinions were that I was being a bit overly harsh on the episode. I don't think I was, but <laughs> but you know, everyone, you know, it's good to it's good that um, everyone can have a bit of a, a disagreement. And uh, if you wanna, if I say anything that you disagree with, you can say you know, go to the go to the website, leave a message, and I'll get back to you, or text me on Twitter, or you can email me any feedback at nightgallery at the Twilight Podcast dot com, um, just to you know, basically if you want to, if you've got anything an email you wanna read out you want me to read out about your opinions on Pamela's voice. Well or more likely to be, I would say, do it on The Doll or Lone Survivor. Um, the Doll will probably be one of those stories that people remember, because it's just genuinely creepy. Uh, and it depends what your opinion on Lone Survivor is. It's I don't think it's politically brilliant but it's okay. Um, anyway, that's enough of my rambling. Um Hope to speak to you soon. Well, I will speak to you very soon because Pam we're gonna do Pamela's voice and get that up as well uh, this week and then try and get back to weeklies. Um as you can tell my voice has been a bit all over the place, so I've not been able to not been able to chat this week, but um hopefully we'll be back on schedule very soon. Okay, speak soon and um for the next episode and Pamela's voice. <laughs>